0: Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's discussion, we're going to talk about an idea that really spans the breadth of history, both from a secular standpoint and also a religious standpoint, but also is relevant to both this week's Parsha, which is Parsha Sav, which talks about the Korbanos, and the festival of Passover that's coming up next week. What I'm referring to in the grounded sense of the word, or the anchor that we have in our lives, is the idea of the carbon Pesach. The carbon Pesach is given its sort of reminder to us on the Seder plate with a bone. This calls back or reminds us of the carbon Pesach, but we often don't necessarily connect to why that's so important. Yes, on a simplistic level, there are things that it reminds you of, but for Rav Shumshin Rafal Hirsch, it calls back to one of the most powerful moments in Jewish history, one of the most central moments in Jewish history, the first commandment the Jewish people got on an individual level. Individually, they were commanded to bring a carbon Pesach. And if we take into account the context in which they were coming to this commandment with slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, they were slaves, their parents were slaves, their grandparents were slaves. This entirety of what it meant to be a people was embedded in slavery. Lack of freedom, lack of individuality, personality, family. All things that we take for granted today were non-existent for a slave. Religious values, um, religious goals, meaning in their life was absent by the nature of the Egyptian caste system that put them into a position in their life that it was impossible for them to move from. Their value as human beings was completely irrelevant, but it was also in the midst of a pagan culture that only appreciated power, and without power you were meaningless. Their gods were powerful, meaning the gods were the Nile, but their gods were also human because they shared this characteristic of power. Hence, you could have a pharaoh being a god. It's something that we find difficult to understand. Why would a pharaoh be a god? A god is a... No, your conception of a god is a Jewish conception of a god, something immaterial, something all-powerful. In ancient times, it was something that was very relevant to power. The pharaoh is powerful. Hence, it was natural that the pharaoh was godlike. Now, this whole way of looking at the world was the context in which the Jewish people were commanded in this carbon pesach, and for Rav Hirsch, this context enriches what we mean by the carbon pesach. This very first commandment, given in the context of the slavery in Egypt. Now, this first commandment, Rav Hirsch uses a beautiful metaphor, and I'll expand the metaphor. He calls it a glimpse into the Jewish Magna Carta. Now, the Magna Carta in the 13th century was a document written up that gave the first inkling of human rights, or equality in front of the law in reference to the king and the nobles. Something that we would look at as quite primitive today, but it was the first stages of the Bill of Human Rights in America and the Universal Declaration of the Human Rights after the Second World War by the UN. These were all a chain from that very first Magna Carta, but for Rav Hirsch, the very first statement of along this path was the carbon Pesach. Now, it seems like a bit of a wild claim, but let's break it down. So when we look at that bone on our table, we realize that that bone means more than just the temple. It means it is the very foundation of us as individuals, as free individuals, but also in terms of our relationship with God. So not only our individual and family and community structure is embedded in this very first commandment, but also our religious identity, how we relate to God, what we mean to be, what it means to be a Jew. And to illustrate that, we will parallel it with other cultures and how they look at themselves in a religious context. Now, of course, this discussion is far broader than I have time for over a quick podcast. And in my live stream, I suppose I'll go through it in more detail. But just to mention, in the live streams that I intend to be doing over the next couple of weeks or so, I hopefully will be touching upon Roth Hirsch's work on both Tehillim and on his work on prayer. And if any of this is of interest of you, you'll find it on Facebook or email me and I'll send you the Zoom link. But now let's focus on this week's parasha. I want to pick up a few of the ideas that the carbon Pesach gives over. The first one is the approach to the individual, the second one is the approach to the community, and the third is our religious identity. Let's break it down. God commands the Jewish people to take a lamb. To take a lamb for them and their family, and if their house is too big to consume the entire lamb, they have too much left over, they should find another family to join in with them. So our first principle, when it comes to the individual, take ownership, responsibility, religious identity, you are being commanded. You have the right to own something, the principle of ownership to take for yourself. That idea is something that we obviously consider to be obvious, but it wasn't obvious in ancient times and it isn't obvious philosophically even today. What gives ownership? What gives you the right to ownership? Is that something that's endowed by the state? That the state gives you the right to have something? The Jewish idea here is that no, there's something more intrinsic to what you have. More than just the dint of the state giving it to you or a philosophical argument the Bible is putting down here when God makes for himself a nation, ownership is a given, individuality is a given, and we are all equally obligated in this commandment that idea of equality under the idea of religious duty. So I know it seems like there's a lot being read into this, but it is the Bible, it is the Torah. There is a reason why this book has been so powerful over the years, why it has influenced so many. So we have this idea of the individual, the free, dignified personality with rights of ownership and religious obligation. Now let's move it further out to the society. Well, how do societies connect themselves together? Societies connect themselves together, generally speaking, by mutual need. Hobbes' social contract. I give because if I don't, you'll take, and if you take, then I won't have a life. And this relationship, we both agree that we're going to limit certain freedoms for the sake of the community. And this, for the sake of the community, binds our society together. But that is not the case with the Torah. That is not the case with the Jewish ideal. What is the language? If your home is too big, if your house is too big to eat what you have got from this korvan and Pesach, find other people, to them to join in with you. The relationship with the community is one based off sedaka. Sedaka comes from the word tzedek, which is justice. Now that idea becomes very relevant now, because in general we look at the relationship between the poor and the rich, the poor needing the rich. But this relationship is being shifted in this magna carta of the Jewish people. No, the rich require the poor to fulfill their obligations. Not the point that the, the poor are have a right to your money. No, they don't have a right to your money. But you have an obligation to give. You have an obligation to seek out the poor. You have an obligation to give when you have too much. The relationship between the poor and the rich is shifted in this context. It's important to point out this isn't by compulsion. No one's forcing anybody to do anything, but by religious obligation, by duty, by something that calls to the higher part of you and says seek out the other. That is the nature of what binds the community together when it comes to the Tyre. So we have our first two principles. We have the principle of the individual. We have the principle of the community. And now let's expand it. Take a lamb. Now there are many different religions in the world and they all have a different relationship between God and man be it come to Islam, which means to submit. Your relationship between God and man is man submits to God, be it in Christianity, which is one that man in his lowly state needed God to die for his sins, and without that sacrifice from God, man would remain this low and petty thing, irredeemable. I don't mean to give a simplistic approach to Christianity or Islam. Of course, there are beautiful, wonderful principles that come through from this worldview, but the point is, the lamb, or the way that Judaism is structuring our very foundation, it is either a lamb or a goat, two animals that they could have brought up, each illustrating two fundamental principles in our relationship with God. This lamb has a shepherd. Yes, we have a shepherd. God is our shepherd. God cares for us. God looks out for humanity and is in a relationship with humanity. But it is a lamb. And it's not any lamb. It is a lamb in the fullness of life, complete A goat, which represents a certain stubbornness. These two animals represent the fullness of a Jew's relationship with God. We don't take a lamb that is damaged. It is a male lamb in the fullness of its vigor, a fullness of its life. That is the representation of how the Jew looks at his relationship with God. There is a pride there. There is a dignity there that a Jew stands upright, complete in his relationship with God. Now, that is a very different notion than the ancient pagan way of looking at the world, of God being this thing of power and man being this meek, pathetic being at the whims and the plaything of the gods. No, the Jewish representation of their relationship with God is a lamb in the fullness of life, complete, without blemish. That is representative of our ideal state of standing before God. Yes, God is our shepherd, and that is given voice by the other aspect of a lamb. The lamb has a shepherd, There's the aspect of relationship, a relationship of care and love that the ideal shepherd has for its flock. So let's go through our three principles, the three principles of the Bill of Rights for the Jewish people, the Universal Declaration, the Magna Carta of the Jewish people, the individual take for yourself and for your family. But if your family is too big, seek out others and take a lamb, a lamb in the fullness of life, giving expression to those three stages of what it means to be an individual, be part of a community, and lastly, be in a relationship with God. Thank you so much for listening, have a wonderful Shabbos, and keep safe.